Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another Cody's Car Conundrum podcast episode. Today, we are diving into the weirdest car from an exterior design standpoint. I've seen in a while, and that's saying something, because there's been quite a few weird-looking cars come out recently. This one kind of has to take the cake, though, at least for normal cars. Certainly for normal cars. We are talking about the 2023 Kia Sportage, and it debuts with bold new styling, (laughs) which is an understatement, trust me, and a vastly improved interior. Compact crossovers tend to be dull and uninspiring. But you certainly can't say that about the all-new Kia Sportage revealed here in its international form as a 2022 model. With the European specification version to follow in September and a North American variant that will carry the 2023 model model year moniker to debut later on. Set to be launched later this year in several global markets, the redesigned crossover is a radical departure from its predecessor as it, as it adopts a thought-provoking and daring opposites United Design philosophy. That just sounds like it's a cluster truck, and it kind of is. The all-new look is immediately apparent up front as the model features a bold grille with a black mesh lower section. It's flanked by boomerang-shaped daytime running lights, which create solid boundary lines for the striking headlights. While the front end will undoubtedly prove controversial, as might the rest of the car, it's hard to imagine with the rest of the Sportage's styling, the bubbly bodywork of its predecessor has been replaced by taut lines, clean creases, and more expressive paneling. The model also adopts a sportier belt line, which ramps up at an angle to meet a distinctive D-pillar accent. Designers also gave the crossover a sleeker greenhouse and an available contrasting black roof. The bold styling continues out back as the liftgate recalls the EV6. However, the Sportage adopts a more conventional tailgate and a more upright rear window. Other highlights include plastic cladding and a ventilated rear bumper with a faux skid plate. That just makes me sad. Buyers looking for a more unique appearance can opt for the new Sportage X-Line. It features a revised front bumper, black accents, and a more pronounced roofline. The model will also come with special interior touches such as black metal wood trim and sage green or black seats with quilting. A modern looking and more upscale interior. That is definitely upscale. Holy crud. Speaking of the interior, it's far more upscale and follows in the footsteps of the Sorento. That being said, the Sportage features flowing three-dimensional air vents and classier switchgear. One of the biggest changes is an all-new center console, which is topped by a rotary shifter. The console also sports a drive mode selector, as well as controls for the heated-slash-ventilated front seats. Other notable highlights include a full uh, full digital instrument cluster and a widescreen infotainment system that are seemingly connected. There's no word on specifications at this point, but it's possible entry-level variants will have analog gauges. No information has been released about the powertrain options, but we've seen Kia testing plug-in hybrid variants in in Germany recently. We'll learn more about the model in the upcoming months, but the Kia design boss, Karim Habib, hopefully I got that right, said reinventing the Sportage gave our talented design teams a tremendous opportunity to do something new, to take inspiration from the recent brand relaunch and introduction of EV6 to inspire customers through modern and innovative SUV design. With the all-new Sportage, we didn't simply want to take one step forward, but instead move on a 
move on to a different level in the SUV class. Before we talk about the looks though, we still have some we still have some information to talk about here as we have a second article, so let's dive into that. 2023 Kia Sportage gets 1.6 liter turbo and 2 liter diesel at launch. Hybrid and FEV coming soon. Full details of the 2023 Kia Sportage have just been released four weeks after the South Korean automaker released the first official images of the new SUV. Kia will sell the new Sportage in both long wheelbase and short wheelbase forms depending on the market and is offering with a handful with an, is and is offering weird way to phrase it with a handful of different engines. Available from the launch is a 1.6 liter TGDI four-cylinder rated at 177 horsepower and 195 pound-feet of torque. A 2-liter turbocharged diesel engine will also be offered with 183 horsepower and an impressive 307 pound-feet of torque. Coupled to, to the 1.6-liter TGDI is a 7-speed dual-clutch automatic transmission and a 6-speed manual will also be offered. The R2-liter diesel comes standard with an 8-speed automatic that features a damper-controlled multi-disc torque converter, whatever any of that means, which Kia says enhances fuel efficiency by enlarging the lockup range. This 8-speed has also been optimized with a new fuel pump. Sorry, no, with a new oil pump. Kia says that other petrol and diesel engines are around the corner, but hasn't yet provided details about them. Hybrid and plug-in hybrid powertrains are also on the cards. Underpinning the 2023 Kia Sportage is the automaker's N3 architecture that should make it more capable when off-roading. It seems like they're kind of going after Jeep with that. The SUV has been equipped with an all-new terrain mode, see what I mean, that automatically adjusts various settings depending on conditions including snow, mud, and sand. Comfort, Eco, Sport, and Smart driving modes are also available for on-road driving. The Sportage also features Electric Control Suspension, ECS, that provides continuous damping control in real time. Sounds like the suspension system that the Range Rover Evoque debuted with way back in, what, 2013? 2012? I think it was 2013. Hybrid and plug-in hybrid models will also feature Kia's high-tech e-handling system. Safety features come in abundance with the SUV. This includes Kia's advanced driver assistance system, ADAS, very similar to, to the German ADAC or ADAC, as well as forward collision avoidance assist or FCA. That's it. That's kind of an unfortunate coincidence for them. Highway driving assist or HDA, navigation-based smart cruise controller, NSCC. The Sportage also receives the same remote smart parking assist system as other Kia, Hyundai, and Genesis models. Of course, it's impossible to talk about the new Sportage without discussing the bold new exterior. Found at the front of the SUV is a larger tiger nose grille finished in black and complemented by boomerang-shaped LED daytime running lights, helping to accentuate the dramatic sides of the SUV include an available black roof and a chrome belt line that extends up to the D-pillar. LED taillights with a light bar help to ensure the Sportage also stands out from the rear. Kia will offer 7, 18, and 19-inch wheels, 19-inch wheel designs for the 2023 Sportage depending on the spec. Trim levels will vary depending on the market, but Kia has confirmed the SUV will be offered with an X-Line variant, similar to the Sportage X-Line and featuring a rugged bumper, side sills, and a roof rack. Also available will be a GT Line model with bright colors and an interior with black and white surfaces. Speaking of the interior, it has undergone just as many comprehensive changes as the exterior. 
Found at the heart of the cabin is a 12-inch touchscreen that's paired with a 12-inch digital instrument cluster. The center console is also all new and includes a shift-by-wire transmission dial. The new Kia Sportage will be launched internationally this year as a 2022 model before arriving in the U.S. next year as a 2023 model. Alright, so now that we have the formal talk of design out of the way, let's get on to my subjective opinion on the design of the car, of, of the new, or on the new Sportage. What do I think? I'm not sure how I feel about the face because it... To me, it looks like an alien, like a sci-fi alien. Not like Lexus Predator style, but it looks like a, to be fair though, modern. Modern sci-fi alien. It is the strangest front end. It also has a, a huge whiff of, of Peugeot and Citroen to me though. Mostly Citroen, actually. Sort of like the C4 Aircross. From the side, it really, really looks like the lower, the lower grille has this happy Peugeot has this happy Persian mouth, and then on top, above that, so you have the body that splits the lower grille from the upper grille. The lower grille is Peugeot, the upper grille is Citroen. It's kind of this weird combination of traditional, relatively traditional automotive design, and then this entirely wacky face. It's, it's almost like Kia, again, went fairly French, actually, and I kind of feel that way about the whole car. It, if, so if we look at the silhouette here, the best way, the best way to describe the silhouette, hopefully I have the car right, it's, it looks like a Buick Enclave. That's what it looks like. Especially down to the D-pillar, because it kind of goes up a little bit. If, let me see if I can get a side shot. Yeah, it looks like a new Buick Enclave. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it looks a lot like it. Just with a few styling differences, obviously. Yeah, so I just pulled up the 2022 Enclave, the all-new one, which I don't think I've done, a, I've done a podcast episode of yet, which I will. But yeah... The greenhouse, the, the side greenhouse, or for those who don't know, greenhouse just refers to the window area, just the windows of a car. So the greenhouse area from the side just looks like a slimmer version of the greenhouse on the new 2022 Enclave. Lit literally, um, just a slimmer version of that. Again, not necessarily a bad thing, but it reminds me, it reminds me a lot of that car. But yeah, the face is surprisingly, is surprisingly Citroen, I feel, in its execution. Uh, sort of, what did I, I said C4 Aircross, doesn't Citroen, Citroen has a bigger SUV, but I can't remember what it looks like or its name, but yeah, it looks very Citroen-y, so you have these weird looking headlights, remember the 2014 Jeep Cherokee, so you had those small horizontal uh, DRLs, the daytime running lights, and they had the bigger units, like the fog lights below, the look that was popularized by the Juke, the new Sportage has a very similar look, except it has these boomerang-style DRLs that go, that block these, like, fog light units from the grill. And so you have these DRLs that are closer to the inside that separate the rest of the headlight unit from the grill, and then closer to the edges, closer to the fenders, where the wheel arches, you have a very 2014 Jeep Cherokee-esque headlight unit. So again, the smaller DRL up top, so yeah, in fact, take a 2014 Jeep Cherokee, and then instead of having the horizontal DRL slits up top, have them on the sides where the lower units are, and then have them curve to fit, to fit the curvature of the lower units. And that's sort of what the new Sportage looks like. And again, it's really weird. I, I don't know how to feel, because I never, when I saw, I never liked the Juke. 
I never like how the Juke had the, the smaller headlights up top and then the fog lights on the bottom. I never liked that look. The Cherokee was okay. I preferred it a little bit, mostly because it was just a less ugly vehicle on the whole, and it had a little bit more of a face. And especially in Trailhawk version, it totally worked, because it looked completely uh, apocalyptic. And so here, it's a little bit more mature, it's a little bit less awkward than either the 14 Cherokee or the first generation Juke, but I still don't quite know how I, how I truly feel about it. It's, I kind of like it because it's really awkward, it's going to be so interesting to see this car on the road, especially in person, but at the same time, I'm also like, that is just a really, it's a really funky looking design, kind of, it's too fresh for me, it's too fresh for me. But I suppose it's better than both the Juke and the Cherokee, because unlike those cars, the DRL doesn't sit on top like it does in those cars. It sits in front closer to the grill, and it wraps around. Again, it's, just, it's, it's a genuine boomerang shape. And so I suppose that's why I sort of prefer it, is that it keeps the headlight unit as one, rather than separating it like it did on the Cherokee and the Juke. So I suppose I like it, I suppose I don't. It might be just because the grill is so massive, the, the upper grill. If it was a if it was a little bit smaller, because the thing is it it starts out big, like it meets the headlight unit down at the bottom, and then it rises up a little bit towards the middle. If the rise was pushed out a little bit further, a little bit further to the corners, so that the dip was a little bit smaller, and actually if they increased the increase the rise to, you know, if they raised it a little bit higher, then maybe I would like it, because then it wouldn't be such a gopping grill, but, yeah, yeah, I don't, I guess I, I guess I kind of like it, I kind of like, I'm really excited to see it in the flesh, I'm really, really excited to see it in the flesh, because that's going to look so, so unique down the road, especially with that, with that lighting signature, it's going to look amazing. But yeah, I guess, I guess I'm kind of excited. And again, I like it more than the Juke and the Cherokee and other cars that have similar light lighting signatures like that because it keeps the DRL and the rest of the headlight in, in one area rather than separating it awkwardly. The rear reminds me, oh, I guess it reminds me of, it reminds me of the Stinger actually, the, you know, Kia's own model. But the pre, the pre-facelift where they, the pre-facelift where they had the, almost like the daytime, the, the racetrack look that of the charger but slimmed hilariously yeah kind of like that but definitely like the stinger where it the taillight is meant to look like one unit but the actual taillights themselves aren't one unit because they're just in the corners but yeah kind of reminds me of the stinger with with the fact that they connected it via this one this this black piece across the tailgate which is okay it's not amazing the taillight design i don't even know how to describe it it's it's sort of like a weird, it's like an L and a J combined, and then the inner units where, so you have like the taillight running signature, because you can't say, day, well, daytime taillight running lights, is this interesting, again, L combined with a J signature, and then the actual taillights themselves where you brake and signal and whatnot, that's inside of, that's inside of that, that's its own separate, separate housing, I like it, I want to say it looks like a, not like the leaf as in the Nissan leaf, but it makes me think of some kind of weird, funky leaf. But that's not really it. It's just it's just weird. It's just weird. But I, I think it's okay. It's not that amazing. I do want to say, though, that I'm glad to see that the D-pillar and the, and the rake of the rear window isn't as extreme as it is, or it doesn't appear to be so far as extreme as it is on some other, on some other automobiles. Because something that 
I read a lot on all par that form before it got bought by Auto Guy was that an issue with having the the rear window raked so much is that it, it really encroaches on the cat on the t storage space in the in the back because the window again encroaches on where you would store items especially tall items so I'm glad to see Kia hasn't gone overboard with trying to make it look sporty with having a really raked windshield sort of like a, a really raked rear window sort of like the BMW X6 but on a more conventional SUV roofline so yeah overall the exterior design I think I'm gonna give okay the face I'm gonna give I think a seven I'm not sold on it but it is really unique and I think it could look really cool down the road the rear I'm gonna give a I think I'd give it a 5.7. It's okay. It's, I, I, you know, I'd have to see it in the flesh, but it's not all that special to me. The side, I like a lot, but I think I'm going to have to give that a 6, maybe a 6.4. It looks too much like a, Bu like a Buick Enclave to me uh, from the greenhouse. And that, that marks it down a little bit because it makes it a little less unique. But yeah, yeah, this photo, man, this photo looks so much like a Citroen. I'm, I'm going to have to remind myself to make a tweet about that. But yeah, that looks so much like a Citroen. So that aside, though, let's move on to the interior. And my, 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 Kia has done such a beautiful job with the interior. The only thing I want to say off the bat, the only thing I don't like is that the gauge cluster screen and the infotainment screen, they've pulled the, they pulled the Mercedes look where they combined it into like this one massive kind of wraparound screen. I, I sort of dislike it because that's that's almost even lazier to me because it's like you don't have to you just plop a screen there and then you make the rest of the lower dash whatever whatever you want it to be you don't it's not like the Viper where you have the dash you have the yeah the dash wrap around and kind of cocoon the touchscreen or maybe I mean the Dart remember the 2013 to 2016 Dart kind of had a similar look to a lot of these cars except the screen wasn't actually that big but because it had that black cover. It looks like the TFT screen and then the infotainment system, uh, infotainment screen was one massive screen, but it wasn't actually. But I kind of preferred that look because it was still separated. But yeah, I don't know. I just I'm just not a fan of a lot, a lot of the modern screen trends these days because to me it's just a really lazy way of design. They're a, a really lazy like get out of jail free card for making a design. It's like oh we don't have to make this air vent look interesting or we don't have to add this interesting wood paneling or this interesting texture or this material in between the gauge cluster and the touchscreen. We don't have to do that. All we have to do is put this like black cover on it or just make this black section that combines the two and then, you know, bippity boppity boo, job done. That's the only thing I, I dislike about it, is that it's, it's, it's an easy way out to me. It, it just makes the interior look that little bit less interesting. Well, what would be a good example? I guess the Chrysler 300 is kind of a good example of an interesting interior or, I mean, it's dated now, especially from a material standpoint, but I mean, 2015, the now Charger, that dash cover material between the gauge cluster, the gauge cluster and the touchscreen, or even the, the 2015, the current Challenger, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about when I say interesting design and interesting, um, interesting dash insert, material texturing, that sort of thing. You lose all of that in that section of the dash when you just combine the gauge cluster and the touchscreen and make it like one massive skateboard tablet. Actually, I've just seen I've just seen the new uh, no, that's the 2021 Enclave interior. But even still, even that because you have the air vents on the side and then the touchscreen in the middle. And I mean, I mean, it's not the paragon of the side. it's not the end all be all of interior design. It's not the epitome of it in any way, shape, or form. But 
I still like that separation. Call me old school. Call me a stick in the mud. But I like that separation. Because it means you have to make the air vent and the touchscreen look interesting. You have to visually separate it from the gauge cluster. Make the gauge cluster its own thing entirely. I like that. I, I like how it makes the interior focus like that. You know how, I guess within, with some houses, they have that you know, like open air concept. In some houses, it just doesn't always work. Because it's like a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type of thing. I, I'm a fan for some things of divided, of divided up sections, focused sections that very specifically target a function. They do one job, right? Sort of like my opinion of flying cars when it comes to, you know, you should just have a car and either a little Cessna or an airplane, or sorry, a helicopter. Those work better separate than together. And I have that I have that opinion when it comes to interior design. Some things work better. Some things work a lot better separate than they do to than they do together because they're focused and you can and you can ind, you can individualize that aspect that section of the interior based on its function. And I like that. I like that a lot. And I suppose you would be saying now, okay, but what about the 2021 Dodge Durango interior, right? Because that's got a similar-ish function, a similar-ish design to what, to the 2023 Kia Sportage, and it does because it actually has like a modern version of the 2013 Dart interior. Funnily enough, which is is really interesting to think about. It's almost like they reused that that dash theme on the new Durango, but then modernized it, which I frankly I love, and I suppose. I suppose I have to say, I guess the difference I feel between these two is that because the air vent air vents split split the touchscreen from the gauge cluster, it is its own separate thing. It is separated, even though it is this massive black cupboard. It is this massive black, I guess, a pleat. This massive black section that visually is meant to connect the gauge cluster and the touchscreen. They are separated by the air vent. It's like whereas with the Kia and a multiple Mercedes models. The screens are literally connected, like by a physical connection with the Durango. It's just a visual one. It's just a visual connection, but they are actually different. They are actually separated. And so it's very obvious to tell that they serve two different functions. And so while they are to some extent visually connected because you have you have this black coloring that connects again the touchscreen to the gauge cluster, you can see where the screens stop and where they start. So by that token, it is it is blatantly obvious where the gauge cluster is and where your infotainment is. But in the Sportage, it's not as clear. At the very least, not in these press photos. And so again, I, I just like that separation. that The separation of powers, if you will. I like that. I prefer it. But, you know, maybe it'll grow on me. Maybe I'll get over it after a while. But moving on from that, because that's been a long ramble, or a long rant, I do like the rest of the interior. I, I really, really do. I like the... Almost like these, um, like 1950s or 1970s, certainly 1970s, American car interior coloring. You have this like, this desaturated, like somewhat greenish blue combined with the white. It, you know, a lot of people rag on 1970s and 1980s American cars and not for, not for no reason. But if there's one thing I, I feel they certainly did better than a lot of cars do now, including the American ones, is their interior options were awesome. I mean, they were, I mean, now they'd be kind of cringy because it's like, oh God, red overload, Jesus. But 
we kind of lost great interior colors after a while. And that's why one of my favorite colors for the Gen 5 Viper is that is that deep red, all red interior because it reminds me of those 70s and 80s American interiors and it looks super plush. I mean, you even have the Laguna, uh, the tan interior and it goes all the way around and I feel the same way. That does so much, in my opinion, to make the Viper visually at least sort of easier to live with more of a gt car like an mgb style it can be a racer but it, you can also drive it every day uh, type of car and so more interior coloring like that is what i want to see and kia to me is knocking it out of the park especially with this new sportage with with the blue with the blue coloring with the blue i guess with the blue main color and then like the white highlights more like because the top of the dash is blue and then the under the under the dash is white so i guess the blue and white two-tone i suppose i love that though and i also love the way they've done the air vents i'm not sure how effective they're gonna be because i've as as some of you might know i have a real problem with my mom's take wands with my mom mom's take wands air vents because they they're just a pain to get right so hopefully these won't be that bad but they said in the article that they're like organic form-fitting air vents so it starts off as this rectangular shape and then it opens up near the bottom and actually curves to meet the shape of not only the other air vents that sit below that sit below the infotainment screen but also just the curvature of the touchscreen plus those central air vents i like it a lot and then on the right side towards the passenger air vent it actually opens up so it's this massive one piece air vent it is separated though i don't think it's i don't think it functionally is one massive air vent but it is visually one massive air vent. And I actually, I kind of like that a lot. I like that a lot because it just, it continues the line. It's, to me, it's kind of unique. And the same effect is added to the driver's side as well. Just not nearly as big because there's just not that much room when you're on the driver's side. I mean, you have the last part of the dash and then the door panel near the windowsill. I mean, semi near the windowsill. But yeah, there's not that much room. But it, even still, it opens up a little bit to add that little bit, that sl slight additional volume. Again, I, I think it's open. I think I can see a little bit of darker black where the hole actually is. But yeah, so this this flowing kind of like form-fitting air vent, I like a lot. I don't know quite how unique it is, but it seems fairly unique to me. It seems fairly, I, I don't, I don't want to say inspired, but fairly creative. Like the, of, of all the things I've seen, I guess when it comes to interior design and exterior design, even though this is the interior, but as far as sheer creativity goes, it's minor, but this is probably one of the more subtly creative things I've seen from automotive, from, well, yeah, automotive design in a little while now. Moving on from the air vents, though, the rest of the interior honestly gets my praise as well. You know what thing I'm not so sure about? Actually, now that I'm looking at it is, wait a minute, no. Okay, that's cool. I'm sorry, I'm, j I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at a different photo that doesn't actually have what I'm looking for. It's just the... The gauge cluster, the steering wheel, some of the some of the dash, and whatnot. But what I'm looking for is the gear selector because that's the only thing I can see right now that I'm not totally sure of because they've gone with this rotary look, which is fine. I don't have anything against the rotary look. That my issue is how they've executed, or my potential issue, I should say, is how they've executed it. Where's a good photo? They don't really have one. It it just looks a little weird. Okay. I was worried that the that the dash rose like rose a little bit to meet the rotary, so it had this like weird cover on it. But no, they have they have this grip surface. It, it looks 
it looks kind of strange, but no, like the like the piano black applique that's that covers, I guess, the the switch gear or the actual, you know, wires and whatnot of the buttons, you know, that goes on top. I was worried that they rose this applique, that they rose this cover to meet to meet like the leading edge of the gear selector. So then you couldn't actually turn it. That's what I was worried about, but no, like I said, they actually they it's not like that. They just have this this black grip surface so you can turn it. It, I was worried for a hot second though. I was like, why have you done why have you made the gear selector unusable? But no, no, they haven't done that. But yeah, you know, I like it. Again, Kia seems to be moving into a slightly more premium space right now, especially with this interior. And to be fair, I think the Telluride was kind of was kind of evidence of that. The Palisade for high end eye definitely was evidence of that. And you see, either it's like Kia's either moving into a premium space or a lot of mid-level quote-unquote cars are getting more premium and that seems to be the case here again one or the other Kia's getting more premium or their interiors of their normal models are getting more premium and either way I'm I'm all for it with the exception or with with the caveat that they don't make these cars stupidly expensive or that they're that they continually increase the prices to the point where they become stupidly expensive that's the only caveat i want to add there but yeah automotive interiors i just feel like there's so much better across the board like an interior like this you would have had to have like even in 2014 the only way to get an interior like this would have been an s-class would have been an e-class maybe a bmw 7 series or an audi of some kind and now an interior of this quality is in a kia in what is hopefully a roughly $40,000, $50,000 vehicle, where you would have had to spend $70,000, $80,000, upwards of $90,000, not that long ago, to get an interior that looked this good, looked this gorgeous with this, with the quality of the materials seemingly shown here. Yeah, automotive interiors are probably the best they've ever been, especially for normal cars. But anyway, that is going to be it. For this podcast episode what do you guys think of the new sportage do you think it's just way, way too funky in all the wrong ways do you think it is funky in all the right ways and just funky enough let me know what you think but if you enjoyed please like the episode share the episode and follow the podcast if you're watching on youtube please like comment share and consider subscribing and if you do subscribe i really do appreciate that please make sure you hit the little notification bell and all notifications that way you're notified every time i upload if you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't have or want the Podbean mobile app, hey, no problem. Boot up wherever you get your podcast. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.